On this episode of AV Week, rebranding a classic AV company, Panasonic cancels their in-person Infocom presence and creating community virtually. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 493, recorded Friday, January 29th, 2021. Personal AV. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. And by Fearless AV, driving technology through innovation. And by Daylight, the leading producer of high-quality projection screens worldwide. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. Uh, I think I'm going to be closest to farthest away, so this will be tricky. First and foremost, uh, Cassie Berger is from Shore, and Shore is a sponsor of AV Nation. Well, welcome, ma'am. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, and Cassie technically is the is the regional um uh, rep for sure. So she is just on the other side of the river uh, from me over in Missouri. So I'm going to guess the fact that New York is closer than Southern California. So Mr. Frank Patacala, welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And Frank is not only from Diversify, but also uh, the host of our uh, our show, uh, The IT Factor, where we take a look at the fact that AV is indeed IT. So uh, also, last but not least, uh, certainly last but not least, Joe Way, and I'm not quite sure how many retweets this will get since you're physically on the show. Um, Joe Way from USC, but also Hatma and his own Fancy Smancy podcast as well. Welcome, sir. Hey, thank you, Tim. Uh, thank you for having me on. It's always great to be here. Absolutely. And, and I will point out just for nobody's other benefit other than Cassie, the fact that Joe and I are both using sure microphones. Joe is we're, we're using the brand spanking new MB7. Um, which if you've been on our site anytime in the last month uh, and uh, participated in the Aviation uh, Reader's Choice Awards, it's very interesting the fact that Sure is going against itself uh, on for the, for the final round. So uh, the MV7 and the, uh, the um, uh, 910 series. So uh, I mentioned that only to say that by the time you listen to this, you can't vote anymore, uh, but you can check it out uh, February 8th. We will be releasing the results of that. Uh, it's been very interesting, uh, very fun, uh, and uh, yeah, lots of really good um, back and forth. Let's just put it that way. We'll, we'll start there. Uh, starting off with our first story of the day comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine. Panasonic has canceled their physical attendance at Infocom 2021. company will con- connect vi- virtually with customers, quote unquote, prioritizing the safety of employees and customers in large venues. From the article, uh, the Panasonic statement says, at Panasonic, we are always thinking about how we can effectively connect with customers, partners, and colleagues in the AV industry, especially since 2020 put a spotlight on the importance of being nimble and innovative to changing marketing conditions. We do have a statement from Avixa, uh, the, the organization that does put on the Infocom show, quote unquote, since the early months of this global crisis, we at Avixa have done our best to prioritize the long-term interest of our members and Infocom community across the pro AV industry. This includes the timing and execution of the Infocom show where we are committed to the delivery of a platform for commerce, learning, and camaraderie. We respect the decisions of the, each of those in our community and appreciate the commitment and support 
that Panasonic has provided to AV professionals across the world. We also put the health and safety of our employees and show attendees before any other considerations and will continue to monitor the situation. Before we continue with this conversation, we are recording this on Friday, January 28th. Is that right? No, 29th. What is today's date? 29th. <laughs> um, this is very possibly, and we're recording at 1 o'clock Central. At 2 o'clock Central, something may happen. Who knows? Um, one thing I have learned in the past couple of, couple of weeks, uh, whether regardless of whether it's Infocom or ISE, Integrated Systems Europe, March 1st seems to be a market or a, a, a marker date, right? That's It's 90 days out, roughly, uh, from any significant decision. So I say that as we lead into this conversation. Um, this is the first um, manufacturer to announce that, that they're pulling out um, and of, of the physical show uh, in June. So Joe, first and foremost, from an education, from a, a higher ed standpoint, from a technology standpoint, and as, as well as, as an attendee standpoint, what does a, a decision by Panasonic like this do to your consideration uh, and, and to your view of the Infocom show in June? You know, uh, I think when we all kind of heard it, you know, the first thing that we all said was, okay, who was next? Right. We didn't all think, okay, you know, of course it didn't, whatever. Um, I, none of us are surprised. Right. And I think that it, because it takes such a, a amount of money and planning to do a show like that, you, uh, you understand that larger companies have to make this decision. Now, if you look at it in terms of what's it going to do for me going to Infocom or not going to Infocom, it's not going to really change anything. Uh, because we go to build our relationships, build our network, see our people. Um, the products can always be gotten elsewhere, right? Um, especially if you're a projector manufacturer, you know, ev everyone can set up their booth and make their projector look right. I need it on my, in my space anyway. So am I going to miss seeing my vendors, seeing and getting roadmaps, the, the hush room stuff? Sure. Of course, everyone kind of misses that, but that's really not why we go. We go in order to connect bigger to our vertical and our industry, and that won't change. Uh, whether in higher ed, we even get budgets back for a lot of people to go. I'm probably rare. I'm going to go no matter what. But I could see that end users, and if that is the direction uh, that, say, a, a Panasonic wants, they want their end users there, they want to show this, I can see why they drop. Because you might not have end user budget, especially in a large vertical like higher ed, that people couldn't even go even if they wanted to. So it, again, it doesn't surprise me, but we do have to wonder who's next. All right. Uh, and just for the record, again, as of today's date, the 29th of January, no one else has pulled out. Uh, Frank, Frank works for Diversified. Diversified is a rather larger uh, multinational uh, integrator. Um, there are times when Frank's an engineer for them. So someday, some years you may have gone, some years you may not have. So there are times where you would have been in person or you've been watching remotely. Does this do anything to your planning for, you know, either the summer or as you're looking at projects coming down the line and your engineering projects uh, waiting for, you know, those, those big announcements happening in June that may or may not happen now? Um, I'm going to echo exactly what Joe said, because in terms of uh, product announcements or information about products, I think the manufacturers have all done an excellent job of repurposing their typical method of communication. You know, and I honestly feel it's gotten a little bit more personal because now we don't have to wait for the mega event to hear some of these things. They're reaching out to you. They're letting you know, hey, you guys, uh, 
although we always complain about the abundance of video calls and you know webinars, I think they have replaced that uh, channel pretty efficiently, in my opinion, in that they're targeting smaller groups. They don't do a thousand person event. They do 20 people in your office where you can interact with your technical and your sales resources, ask those questions. So from an engineering standpoint, as far as the pipeline of product announcements are concerned, I will probably say that 2020 has been my greatest year of awareness because I know everything that's happening because people are reaching out more than they have ever, almost to the point where we're asking them to stop. You know, we have, we're good for now, you guys, you know, cool it for a bit, but it's, it's good. I think what we're going to miss is the, the human component, right? The yeah. part of the infocoms where we go and we connect with each other and virtual events are coming up. It's that's, I guess, a work in progress, right? I think some events have been better than the others at connecting with the attendees, but that's always a challenge. I'll, I will say this though, there's no real replacement for a booth. You know, it's like we've gone to a virtual booth at, at several of these events. It, I, I don't know if it's the, the your feet hurting or that part of the, the physical aspect of it. But, you know, actually walking to a booth. I don't want to say this, but I kind of miss that. Right. It's like that is a good feeling. Just walking around. I totally right? miss that. Just for the record. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. But, 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 so I really miss like determining the best, most plush carpet booths. It's like, oh, head over there, that one's good. You, well, you that, always that's... know, you always know that the better design booths have more attendees, even if the product itself has nothing to do with what you have, because people go there for the convenience of it. And clicking through booths is not the same. You know, you got to do something about that, people. You really got to do something. So a, a couple of things really quickly about that before we let Cassie weigh in on this. The, way before COVID, uh, Joe and Hetma put together one of the first virtual events. Uh, I want to say, yeah. I'm not going to say that we's the virtual, first virtual event, but in this space, because 10 years ago, uh, SCN was doing virtual events. CE Pro did an uh, um, a avatar-based one, probably in, in 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. Uh, it reminded me of... of, of um, not Half-Life. It reminded me of Second Life, honestly, the, the CE Pro one. Uh, you guys, JoJo, had one in, in, you know, in Hetma, then a number of, you know, once everything shut down. Um, we have done one at, with SCN now, well, once as well as we're doing one in March 4th. That does have a, a virtual uh, booth component to it. The sponsors seem to like it, uh, from, from what I can tell. Um, we had a, a number of engagements because we had a, a, a virtual booth for the December one, so that was kind of cool. But, but you know, Frank's right. You can't touch and feel certain. You, know, you can't you know, get your hands on a switcher or what, what have you. So, Cassie, uh, you've been on both sides of this, both as an engineer for an integrator as well as now a, a manufacturer who, is, who exhibits with a fairly good-sized booth with Sure. Just from your standpoint, you're looking at, at, at June and, and, you know, you're listening to these two gentlemen not only say, you know, asking who's next, but also asking for that in-person. Um, you know, when you're talking to your clients and, and you know, the dealers and, and folks that you're talking to, are you getting the sense that, that you know, at some point we are going to have to have some sort of in-person or are we just going to kind of wait for, you know, smaller regional ones or is, you know, are we waiting for Infocom uh, in June or, or whenever that is? I mean, a couple things that I want to contribute to this because I find it very interesting. Um, the conversations I've had with customers, uh, Frank, to your point, I've been able to actually have better conversations through Zoom calls than I would have otherwise. Um, uh, people seem pretty engaged, you know, the turning the camera on and off 
thing has been resolved for the most part. Most people have been given direction to turn their camera on. Um, so you get the FaceTime. I get to put the product out there. I get to talk to my customers about what's new and um, and show them some of those products. But you can't pick them up and look at the inputs and outputs and actually feel them. So we get a, a lot of those questions and we have to hold a product up to the camera and show them the back of the DSP or whatever it is or the microphone. Um, but overall, from a sales standpoint, I don't think that is it going to weigh either way. I can't really say. Um, what I do look at though, is how many jobs it's affected from the event standpoint or the marketing standpoint for all of these manufacturers. Um, because just from an event coordinator standpoint, um, that's their entire job is to focus on shows like Infocom and to put those together. And I have not yet been on a successful event platform that I really felt worked in any of these virtual trade shows. So when we look at ROI, are we really getting out the investment we're putting in? Because there's still sponsorship levels for all of these shows that we're mm-hmm. still paying for. And at the end of the day, am I really getting that ROI? In fact, I was recently on one show that was a regional-based show. And we did a walkthrough a couple of days prior. And afterwards, we collaborated in my team and said, all right, are we going to get anything out of this? Or do we instead send them all Grubhub, you know, coupons in their email and a Zoom link and say, hey, I just bought you lunch, hop on a call with me for 30 minutes. We'll probably get more out of that. Um, So we have to kind of weigh it out. I will probably, if, let's say, if Infocom went virtual, I have wasted a lot of time sitting on calls waiting for people to come talk to me. I don't know if I would really do that or if I would offload it to somebody else, like a a rep firm or something like that. Um, I'd rather reach out to the people that I know that I wanted to talk to at those shows. Now I'm losing a ton of that foot traffic and the people that I didn't know I wanted to talk to, but now I realize there's a huge business opportunity for higher education being a huge focus with the CARES Act. So it's, it's really, I don't know. The, the, the one thing I, I will point out here as we wrap up this segment is uh, I, I made the comment and this was in conversation with someone else. So I'm, I'm kind of telling on myself, but I, I have no problem saying this publicly. I would argue that what I will call the, the top tier manufacturers don't necessarily need in-person Infocom, right? Uh, they don't need ISC. And when I say top tier, I am talking about sure, right? I am talking about Legrand. I am talking about Crestron and the other ones. And you, you know who I'm talking about, right? It is the 10 by 10s on the outskirts that oh. do need that, right? It is the innovators. It is the folks that are making stuff in their garage and bringing it to Infocom for the first time or the second time that need Infocom to happen. They are, you know, they, they you know, they're going to sit across the hall or sit across the, 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 the hallway or the, the, the pathway from someone else. And that's where collaboration a lot of times happens. That's where a lot of M&As happen. And so that's where I think one of the aspects of the business is lost in, in the virtual. Yes, we can connect. Yes, we can have lunch. We can do whatever we want here virtually. We do this every week, right? Um, but it's that in-person and it's that, that serendipitous connection that I think a lot of times we miss. So, uh, all right, next story comes to us from our friends over at AV Network. AV in the AM celebrates three years. I knew Chris Netto when he was just this, but not really. Um, and Chris is the same age as me. He tells you he's younger, but he's not. He's like, you know, 
May to September, younger than me. Uh, popular uh, Sunday chat that happens three years happened three years ago with our buddy Mr. Chris Netto. Celebrated three years uh, on January twenty fourth. I do want to read one comment uh, from our buddy Meg Sierrini Smith. If you want to read both Joe Way and Frank Patacala's comment about it, you can go to the link that that Mitchell will put on. Quote unquote from Meg: It's a community that's centered around a shared love for what we do. We come from all diverse backgrounds, socioeconomic statuses, religions, and creeds, but we all love AV. We're a community, and I love that about hashtag AV in the AM because we can disagree and still have beers together, even virtually. Mr. Joe, um, you have also been a, pri- a part of, of creating a community with Hetma uh, and a number of others. So let's talk about a second. Not necessarily, I, I don't want to discount what, Je- what, what uh, Chris has done. It's been phenomenal. Um, but also as a, as a jumping off point, how do we build community within COVID? Well, how do we build community virtually? And then how do we translate that into real life? Because we will eventually get back to real life, whether that is Infocom in June, that is ISC in, in June, that is ISC next year in Barcelona in 2022. Just for the record, that's probably when I'm going to go or 23 or 24. Who knows? Who knows when the European Union will let me back in? Um, there's a story there and it involves Chuck Espinosa. Um, so, Joe. <laughs> um, we all want to know that story. I know you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's not enough vodka yet uh, or gin. Um, how, do you, how do we build it in, virtually and then how do we translate that into real life? You know, that is a great question because I think that there's a lot of commonality between uh, the last, que- you know, article and AV in the AM. What has okay. made it uh, successful is exactly that. The fact that we can all come together, no matter our background, no matter where we are in the industry, from an end user to a manufacturer to an integrator to someone who's six months into it to a seasoned veteran. And we all can come together and put an opinion out there and meet in a common place. And that's really going back to what made HEPMA successful. You know, we, we throw the moniker that we were virtual before it was cool. And we spend the least amount of money on any platform for our things. We spend exactly zero. Okay. Um, and th- the thing is, but it's still popular. Why? Because we take like-minded people, we put them together and say, here, have a conversation about X topic. What, how does it impact you? What do you need from it? Um, build those connections, the people who can get the, your needs taken care of. Bring in the best people in the industry to speak to it. And that's the recipe for success. That's what works on AV and the AM. That's what has worked with Hetma. That's what's worked with the large manufacturers who have been able to be successful, even though there hasn't been, you know, the Infocoms, all those, because they've been able to create their own platforms where they can reach, you know, their customers on a personal level. And that's really the only secret, right? It's not, can you send out the marketing email? Can you do the most, you know, fantastic backend uh, platform? Can you reach your person and speak to their needs and show how what solution you're going to bring can impact them for what they're going through? Um, and that's exactly what AV and the AM is. That's why we all get together. That's why I get up at a god awful hour on the on the West Coast. And if I and if I'm on at five ten a.m., I'm already upset that I missed ten minutes of it, right? And you know, and I, but I think that that's great yeah. uh, because that really defines who we are as a people. Um, 
I like I like that. And I, I at another time when we have more time, I will tell you guys a story of of the time that Chris and I were in London together, heading to um, heading to, to Belgium. Actually, uh, this is back when he worked for Barco, and I I got a, a chance to see the back end and the the master at work. We're on a train, and he's he's conducting AV in the AM. Um, and, and it was it was quite phenomenal. So I, I am very humbled by that. Cassie, um, both from a, a, again, Cassie used to work for an integrator, works for a manufacturer now. How do you do what Joe just said? You know, how do you connect with your customers and your clients in a virtual way and really kind of deliver something to them, um, even if you can't be in person? I mean, everything Joe said is, I share the same um, feelings about it. It's, it's great to be able to have those types of communities and get to know people in a way that you wouldn't have that opportunity. I mean, I don't have a background up. You can see my pictures in the background and it humanizes me. I'll have a kid run up behind me. I'll have a dog, you know, come over and ask, try to get my attention. And you see that and you all of a sudden become not the salesperson, not the business person, but you, I become a mom. I become, you know, somebody who knows what I'm talking about, but I also have a life that's not work. And you don't get that anywhere else except for the virtual platform. So then when you make it also an open community where anybody can come talk about anything, share ideas, thoughts, um, argue, you know, it becomes a family too. And so you're bringing this family dynamic into your interactions with colleagues, with you know, somebody you would never even have a chance to talk to otherwise, maybe an executive at a large manufacturer, um, and you're getting their opinion and their voices, but you're also seeing their life and their lifestyle and who they are way more than you would otherwise. And that's what I really do appreciate about this virtual new virtual world is how much you get to appreciate and understand people. And you don't feel like you're on it all the time. I'm wearing gym shorts right now. I mean, I'm business on top. I promise you, I have gym shorts on. it's like, I get to be comfortable and talking and I get to talk to others. It's that type of virtual platform is great. And if we can, after COVID take this and learn from it and make it more human moving forward into the trade show environment and atmosphere. Fantastic. Just for the record, I am not wearing gym shorts. So nobody wants to see that. So Mr. Patakala, you'll have the last word on this by either AV and the AM or virtual community in general. How do we do this? I start that off with a with something that I've always said from the very beginning of the pandemic. And when we start first started seeing the plethora of virtual events, people should never, and I'm talking specifically to the organizers and the events companies that do these things, don't look at a virtual event like you would an in-person event. When you're doing an in-person event, the human connection, your eyes, your senses actually do a good job of filtering what you need and what you don't need. If it's too loud and you don't like it, you go away from it. If it's quiet and you like it, you go towards it. You can't do that in a virtual event. You're basically force feeding the entire event to people. In addition to the fact that This is a completely, I have three screens right now. So I do have my emails popping up on the side. I'm focused on the conversation, but I believe I can multitask, right? That what an event should strive for is to make me stop looking and focus on the event. So what needs to happen is a streamlining, like Joe said, of like-minded people. And that means to me more specific in the sense that if I'm a salesperson and I'm here for the marketing and for the product placement, put me in those streams. But if I'm an engineer and I'm not really interested in the sales part of it, put me in a tech stream. Make it as focused as you can. 
that's how you can build up a virtual event. Virtual communities thrive on people who can communicate with each other and just build on that. That's what AV and the AM. Well, AV and the AM, in my opinion, is a little different to that because, you know, the closest thing I can compare to AV and the AM is when I first went to India and I got to see the public transport system there, right? So if you go to a train station there, there's like a million people, right? And nobody's going to help you get on the train. All you got to do is just stand in the middle of a crowd. You'll end up on the train. They'll push you in, right? So that's AV in the AM for me, right? Just get up, you know, wake up at 8 a.m., say okay, you know, or I agree is good enough to start. Or, or better yet, I disagree, which is even better, right? Yeah, Especially I, the or I disagree. Just say a two-word answer to some question that Chris posted, and you can actually have a conversation there. So uh, I like that, the randomness of it. But in general, I feel that virtual events need to be streamlined to the individual's tastes. And, you know, whatever whatever way you do that, whatever method you use for that, make it a shorter event, half-day event, 30-minute event, doesn't matter. But you'll get the most out of it by getting the people to stay focused, basically, yeah. quite simply. All right. That, and that, that visual right there actually is probably one of the better explanations I've ever heard of AV and the AM. So, all right. Last story comes to us from Sound and Communication. Hall Research. I guess you could say is technically no more, but not really. Hall Research is rebranding as Hall Technologies from the article, quote, unquote, Hall Technologies is embracing the rapid evolution of the AV industry, a new ecosystem of products featuring end-to-end solutions for all of these and more will be announced by Hall Technologies later in the year. Uh, it's rebranding. You can find them at halltechav.com. Uh, Hall Research, though, has been a long time uh, switching and, and, and video distribution manufacturer. This is kind of an interesting play, and not necessarily for Hall Research, but just, just in general, especially during this time. Rebranding in general is tricky. Uh, and Cassie, I'm going to start with you on this because it was, I think it was two years ago, right about this time, two years ago, Sure came out with a brand new logo. You don't think that's a big deal. It is a huge deal, especially for a company as old as Sure. And you're going you're gonna to hate me for this, but I can't remember the name of the, of the green that you guys came up because there's a special name for the green. Um, and... Ignition green. Ignition green. That's it. And, 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 and you, I'm not kidding you. It's it's specific for sure, right? right? Just like the yellow for Caterpillar. And again, I'm from the middle of Illinois. There's a specific yellow for Caterpillar. Um, Cassie, we'll start with you, you on this. How do you walk through not only your employees, because you had to do this, but also your, your customers through a, a rebrand, through a new logo, through something like this? Because this is something that they've lived with for years. Um, there are still people that I know that, that refer to sure as sure brothers for crying out loud. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, this, this is not, you know, this is not something that sure hasn't done before or, you know, hall, but how do you walk your customers through a, not just, you know, you guys didn't do a rebrand, but you know, getting something new into the marketplace. I think it's timing and I think it's preparation. Um, the biggest thing is preparation. So any brand who's, I mean, look at poly now, poly poly, Polycom, now yeah. poly, a good example, because um, that was a, we didn't change our name. We just changed our logos. That alone was a to-do that took a lot of time, energy, money to change. And before even thinking about introducing any type of branding change, you need to make sure that you have the marketing platform updated and ready. You have the marketing materials updated and ready. You have the sales um, tools and resources updated and ready. And that's even before introducing it to the internal team that's going to be dealing with all of these new resources and, um, and materials that are, that are either print or 
PDFs. Um, and then you have to take it to the channels. So then you're, once you do it internally, which is going to take maybe even years of restructuring, changing everything, updating everything and coaching that internal staff, you then need to coach the channel on using those new materials. So it's updating every single marketing campaign that you've worked on over the years with key accounts like Diversified um, or providing the products to the end, the information to the end users. Um, I mean, the little things like rebranding means repackaging everything means, you you know, you're updating your manufacturing facility to have those new updated branded boxes. It is expensive, very expensive. And it's, there's a ton of time, man hours applied to it. And it affects every single area of the business, whoever you are. Um, so it's not a small task. I look at uh, the information or the Hall Research article, and um, I actually repped Hall, so I'm very familiar with the products when I worked with my dad, so I repped Hall, and I look at that as um, they've, they've either, there was an acquisition, I mean, I haven't read that much about it, but I'm assuming acquisition or something or their partnership, and I would absolutely expect a lot more products to enter the marketplace as indicated um, and so anytime you're looking at that type of change, I would assume that it means that we're going to see a lot more flood the social media sites and their, you know, and the market with new hall technologies. Um, they're trying to kind of, it seems to me, separate from where they were and move into this whole new sector. So that's what that, how I read into it. Frank, same kind of question, a little bit more from the engineering side. You take a look at a move like this, you know, how much, how, how, how much do you kind of sit back and wait for them to make those announcements, right, before you start incorporating those into designs? Or is it something where, you know, you start, you know, putting them in right away? How, how much of a, does a, of a pause, I guess, does it, does this give you? Usually it depends on how their approach is, like, like Cassie just said. I mean, some people are very aggressive about their rebranding. Uh, Polly, in my opinion, was inevitable because we knew about the acquisition. We knew something would happen. But at the same time, they just changed like instantaneously. They were Polly. I, I still can't say Polly without actually giving it a moment of thought. I'll go to Polycom because that's how, you know, rooted I am in that original brand. So that's, that's a good thing. The fact that, you know, they they had a really good brand and they're stepping up. Uh, from a technology perspective, uh, usually the first commitment that any manufacturer makes whenever they do a rebranding is that we're still the same company, nothing's changed, but we've just gone through it. And yes, there is a waiting period. We'd like to see where the change is. Usually it's change like this means that they have either broadened their picture and they'd like to have a, a bigger share of the market or they're uh, you know, going into territories that they normally aren't, which uh, for an engineer, I am apprehensive primarily because I'm used to giving solutions that work, not saying that the solutions don't work. It's just that there's a benchmarking testing process that every company needs to go through before they do that. And the best part, I think most companies have done a good job about reaching out and giving us the down low and, you know, this is what's happening and we can give you the opportunity to test it. And that's, that's what's critical. I think from engineers care very little about the colors and the branding. We care about the quality of the product. And I'll tell you very honestly, anybody who listens to this, an engineer loves a person who picks up their phone or answers an email really quick. That's, that's all that matters to us. So when I have a question, the sooner you can respond. And that to me also extends to personal branding. Because you know, for me, 
the quality of the product, uh, sometimes the quality of the individual representing that brand means a lot more to us. So it's, it's kind of here and there for, for an engineer. We, we, we will weigh out the technology aspects and the personal part of it a little bit more, I guess. All right, Joe, uh, Frank brings up a really good point, and that is getting product in and benchmarking it, which typically is, is pretty easy for an integrator. Uh, not for USC, but for some uh, lower tier uh, u- universities, it might be, not be so easy. So what advice would you give to end users, to you know, those folks, whether in Fortune 500 or in higher ed, to get some of those products in? Who are they working with? Are they working directly with manufacturers? Are they working with Cassie? Are they working more with the engineers and their salespeople on the, on the dealer side? You know, uh, well, it's definitely changing. If you ask this question three years ago, I'd say our integrators funnel everything to us. And now I have a heck of a lot more boxes directly from manufacturer. Um, then I do. And in fact, as even I mentioned at PSNI, you know, panel year and some ago, um, almost two years ago, cause oh we didn't do it gosh, last year. I know two years is, um, is how many products I ended up showing to integrators when they would say, Oh, we've heard this is coming out. I'm like, yeah, would you like to see it? I have it up paying here. You want to know how it works? Um, I'm happy to train you on it. And <laughs> You know, but though that's the reality that that has yeah. switched, you know, and I think that that even goes to, you know, even what when you're looking at a rebrand or something, it's that helps for the little like, okay, USC, take me off the table, right? Take looking at the average end user or that that's now building its own in, in-house integration team and they want to get these, uh, you know, the products and want to know what to trust. That's where. If you are a major manufacturer, take sure who has, you know, does uh, rebrands, you know, the logo and all that. It shows to us that they're always trying to connect to the end, to the user, that they're staying current, that they're trying to bring new products. They're trying to recognize that they're, they're not going to fall behind. That gives added, you know, assurance to us that, Hey, I can trust that when I put this in and when I put it in a hundred rooms, that it's going to be there for support. Flip side of that, a can't, a company can't just put lipstick on a pig. You can't be someone who is not a solid product and think that a rebranding and a repackaging and a fancier email and in a new rep is going to change anything because it won't right? Your product has to come first. Your reputation has to come first. And that goes full circle to what you said about no, you know, you know, virtual events and the small people can't get that market share. It's really hard because I get hundreds of emails. I'm not opening it up if I don't know who you are. Right. And that's really tough. But when I do get a major brand, send me something and go, look, what's new and shiny. I probably push it to the top of my hundred emails and go, Oh, I want to see what's new and shiny. And would you like to sign up for our webinar to say, yes, I do. When is it? Um, and so that is a big difference. And that's where, you know, sad to say it, it makes a virtual world is much harder for the little guy. Um, and especially to get into the littler schools, right? Because we only have so much we can, you know, trust and money we can push or put around. That's where those manufacturer relationships are just really important. Yeah, and I would also argue on the other side of that, that those smaller schools, it's harder to get folks in, right? Regardless of where we are. I mean, I have talked with with our buddy Scott Tyner up in Bates College in, in Maine for years about this. I mean, uh, Scott, you know, not that Bates College is a small school. It's not. It's a smaller liberal arts school, but he's in Maine, right? And and it's a small, it's a big state, very rural. rural and to get to Scott, it's going to take some time, right? It, it, it has to be, you know, on purpose. And so, 
you know, it's not like dropping into Southern California and he can then, you know, a rep can hit you guys and, you know, US, UCLA and, and other and about a dozen schools within, within a couple of days. Um, so, yeah, there is all the other side of that as well. So. All right, guys, that is going to do it. Thank you all so much. Mr. Frank Patakala, thank you, sir. This was an amazing episode. Uh, well, just because of you three. Um, how do people find you uh, or the IT Factor or Diversified or, you know, whatever you want to you wanna promote? Well, I'm uh, Frank Patakala on the socials. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Uh, you can check out Diversified, the company that I work for, www.diversifiedus.com. You can check me out and my podcast, IT Factor, here at avnation.tv. Uh, we focus on uh, AV and adjacent technologies like IT, AI, VR. We go to all kinds of things. So check us out there. Absolutely. And uh, Frank's first uh, um, interview is still one that blows me away. He got the Fraunhofer folks, the folks that give you MP3 and MPEG4 and all that jazz. So uh, Cassie, thank you, ma'am. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or Sure? Yes, thanks, Tim. Uh, so Sure.com is our website. Um, if you are more of the technical or IT side, we also have an embedded site, which is a tech portal. So check that out if you're not looking for consumer. Um, finding me, I'm on LinkedIn, Cassie Berger. You can search for me there. I'm not on the social medias otherwise. Too much, too much drama, Tim, right? Um, I will say that I'm also on the leadership search committee for Avixa. So if you have any interest in Avixa or being on the board, please feel free to reach out to me. All right. And I will also, this is a personal uh, plug. Cassie and I uh, are heading up the St. Louis chapter of the Avixa Women's Council. So if you were in the St. Louis metro area, and you know what that means if you were listening to this, uh, either hit her up or hit me up, Tim at aviation.tv, um, because we will be doing something um, either virtual or in person, I swear, sometime this year. Yes, 21. we will. Thanks, Tim. It's only January, February. Mr. Way, thank you, sir. Hey, thank you so much for uh, having me on. It's always great. And how do people find you or UCLA or your podcast? UCLA? Or, uh, uh, you, oh, USC. I just did a really major Wow. Up. Sorry, dude. It Look, was in it, my head. It's off the 110, not the 405. <laughs> All right. Um, no. Yeah, you can find me uh, at Josiah Way on, of course, all the socials. And uh, and do find Hetma at Hetma underscore org, Hetma.org uh, online, because we do have a our next spring uh, virtual conference coming up February 9th to the 11th. So encourage everybody to go. We do uh, institutional members and affiliate members, too. So uh, we're looking forward to some great things that we have coming up. And of course, yep. at Higher at AV for other stuff. I was going to say, the, the, and the magazine, too. When does that come out? Uh, the on February one, so the so day this today. episode is coming. You're, yes, you're listening you out. Go. You're, you're go go check that out too. So, uh, my name is Tim Albright. At this point in the sports world, um, I think I'm rooting for for Tom Brady. I really do. As a fellow forty something, um, God love him. If he can do it at 43, 44, let's go, dude. Um, but uh, go by the website if you would please avnation.tv that's avnation.tv you'll find this program and a host of others including our sponsors including Shore we thank them for their support helps us, helps us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and all the others and the coverage of shows like Infocom regardless of where or when it happens um, and ISC and all the others so check out um, Frank's show uh, The IT Factor uh, our buddy Steve Greenblatt 
does uh, control and automation with the uh, the state of control and a number of others. Uh, I also mentioned at the very beginning of this, the uh, AV Nation 2020 Reader's Choice Awards. The, the uh, voting has ended. Uh, you will find, uh, go back to that page on February 8th and you will find out who won what. Uh, we're going to put together a, a fancy schmancy like little little thing you can click through and see the see the products and or the picture of the person. So, all right, all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week.